You looking for a fella? About yay tall, red plaid shirt, kind of nice looking? Yeah, have you seen him? He hitched a ride west with our night cook about half an hour ago. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, look, I'm hanging up now. I've got to go. Um, if you want to talk to me, you can call me in Madison in a few days. I'm in the phone book. Wait, wait, Mrs. Hayden. Do you know who or what you were kidnapped by? He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Really, can't you just leave him alone? Hello? Hello? Damn it. Welcome to Screen Run. I'm your host, the Lady One, and I'm here with... Chris Galza. Screen Run is the show where Chris and I explore the films of a particular artist or franchise, and in Season 3, we're discussing the films of John Carpenter. Today, we'll be talking about 1984's Starman. And joining us to talk about this film today is one of my favorites, one of your favorites. She's a film critic, she's a writer, and of course, she's one of the hosts of Spoiler Peace Theater. It's Megan Kearns. Hi, Megan. Hi. Yay. Um, 81. That was such an amazing intro. Thank you so much. And thank you both for having me. I'm so excited to be back. This is is a, a big moment for me because I unfortunately did not get to join you two for last season's discussion. So I'm very excited to finally be able to talk to you. (laughs) Thank you. You you didn't get to experience like the moment of us yelling about Prometheus. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Our rage and fear over Prometheus. (laughs) Yeah, it was was quite a time. but It was. It was a good time. (laughs) (laughs) It was. And I like that film too. We would have been yelling at you yeah, a lot and then funny. occasionally backing <laughs> off of it and then doubling down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my guess. So, Megan, we knew we had to have you back again for our John Carpenter season. Aww. And when I contacted you to say, like, what movie would you like to do? You were uh, pretty quick to jump on Starman. <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> so why why Starman? What's the significance of the movie to you? And what's your kind of history with Carpenter films overall? Sure. Well, this is my favorite Carpenter film. And this is one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite films of all the films in my entire life. I have been watching Starman since I was about <laughs> seven years old, eight years old, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And I watch it quite frequently. I watch it... A about every year sometimes every two years sometimes a couple times a year but I love this film and you know sometimes when you watch a film when you're a kid you're like is it really that good is it really Mm -hmm. good is it just nostalgia you know is it just that I've been watching it so many times and watching it as an adult yes I can say emphatically (laughs) it really is that good I adore it I think it is such a beautiful love letter to humanity I think it is technically masterful I adore it. So this this was just an absolute treat to rewatch it again for the umpteenth time <laughs> and to talk about it with both of you. Yes. Yes. Well, we, we appreciate you doing that. Um, I'm sure it was a, a real struggle to have to revisit this. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, yeah. hey, can you just watch one of your favorite movies and then talk to us about it? So p- perfect. <laughs> perfect. Um, Chris, what has been your history with Starman? We know uh, the things your fave. So... This is quite different. Yeah, I well, no, I think we need to finish with Megan here because okay, she says this is <laughs> her favorite John mean? Carpenter film. <laughs> it is. Oh, and yes. my first question is then: so is this the only John Carpenter film that you've seen? No, no, I, I'm uh, like, <laughs> have you seen not. his oh his over his entire over then? And um, like this, this worries me just from my own. <laughs> 
Oh. I don't know. <laughs> My own Stop mental me. well-being. Like, where would you rank the thing in regards to, then, all the, the uh, Carpenter films? Have you, and have you kind of run through? Because I haven't seen all of them. No, I'm the I haven't first to seen, admit that I have. Yeah, I haven't seen them so, all. I've seen many. I would say that the thing is probably the second. I was gonna say I would say okay. Starman's at the top, then the thing, then probably Halloween. Because I mean they're both great, but to me Starman yeah. is far like Starman is like an A plus, and I would say the thing is like probably an A minus for me. Like just not that it's actually an okay. A minus, but just kind of the the difference between them. Just yeah. I love Starman so much, but no, the thing is great. Escape from New York is a lot of fun. It's technically really well done. Halloween is incredible. Yeah, no, I think sure. he's an incredible filmmaker. But Starman, I think, is his best. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't agree. But I think that's... <laughs> that's okay. We already covered I, I... your favorite, Chris. Yes. <laughs> so I don't really have any... I had never really seen Starman previously. Oh, ever? So this wow. Is my... Yeah, no. This is my first kind of... Sh- start to end i was more aware of it and i'd seen like clips mm-hmm. of it and stuff over the years but i had never sat down and watched the whole thing i bought the blu-ray i think like two years ago as is my my thing is to buy something <laughs> and never watch it yes uh but this the scream factory one too which is good because it, it they finally from what i understand included the commentary with carpenter and bridges which was only available in in uh, europe previously so um which was a really interesting and fun listen they're very chatty that's very i think one of my big things is why i love jeff bridges so much it's very folksy very mm-hmm. kind of like just one of those guys guys someone you want to hang out with you know just, just a genial guy and mm-hmm. I think it, it's a really entertaining listen if you were to watch it with the commentary on this. Again, only on the Scream Factory, though, one, though. I also was kind of confused why it was a Scream Factory release and not just a Shout Factory release. Either way. <laughs> it's, yeah, so this is my first viewing. And it was okay. I enjoyed it. I think it's, I think part of the issue, and I'm curious, Megan, for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if Juan had seen it previously. I have. If, 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 there's, if nostalgia is weighing in on you in this. Because a lot of this stuff for me seemed a little hokey. Um, though I found some of the scenes very touching at times. I would say like the deer resurrection was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then I think the relationship between the two of them, I think is, which undergirds the entire film, works. I think it's really well done. But there's some of the stuff, like that, particularly one scene when they had the crash and he's carrying her out from the flaming fireball and he's got his glow, his glowing shield around him. Then I was like, oh man, that is an early 80s special effect <laughs> right there. Industrial I think they blew magic. all the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they blew all the money in the special effects like in the first half hour. And then afterwards, they're kind of just piecing stuff together. I feel like the rest of it didn't really work as well. I don't know. It's. I found it to be overall a mixed bag. I want. I will say that that I also have the Shout Factory um, or Scream Factory uh, Blu-ray, and the commentary is fantastic. Really fascinating <laughs> on directors and actors. Actually, I heard Jeff Bridges said a lot of thing about, a lot of things about actors that I'd never heard another actor say, which was really fantastic. So, oh, yeah, that's very cool. What about you, on? I saw this film like properly, like start to finish, a couple years ago. And I never thought I had seen it. And while I was watching it, I was like, oh, no, I saw this. Like, that's the scene. Actually, uh, Chris, you have the clip. Oh, really? Yes. All right. This is very smooth. Hit it. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Look out. What are you doing? (laughs) 
you crazy? You almost got us killed. You said you watched me. You said you knew the rules. I do know the rules. Oh, well, for your information, pal, that was a yellow light back there. I watched you very carefully. Red light stop, green light go, yellow light go, very fast. Very, very fast. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as it got to that scene, I was like, oh, no, I saw this when I was younger. Like, I remembered that scene and I all of a sudden it all came flooding back that I remembered watching. Mm. What my perception was when I was a kid was a man kidnapped a woman and drove cross, cross country with her. <laughs> I must have missed the very first part of it. Did not know he was an alien, which just like, that's weird. <laughs> so, yeah. So I had seen it, but didn't really register, you know, the full impact of what I was watching. And I don't even remember how old I was. I just had the memory of watching it and it just came back. So I watched it, you know, properly a couple of years ago for the first time. And I'd seen it several times, but I enjoyed it when I was a kid and I thought it was just a random man kidnapping a woman. And I also enjoyed it when I actually understood what I was watching and could like appreciate all of it. I don't even know if I knew when I was watching it for the first proper time that I knew it was a Carpenter movie because I was just so it just like wasn't connecting the dots in my head at the time. So I was just kind of watching it as just like here, it's a movie. So I didn't even have the context of how it kind of fits or is different from his other work. Um, I had none of that. And I was just like, this is a, this is a nice movie. It's it's very good. And I like it. Um, <laughs> so so spoiler alert, I like this one um, a good a good amount. I just I love I love Jeff Bridges and I love Karen Allen. Like me too, man. They're just they're pretty cool. I love mm. that you bring up that scene too, which is I think hilarious <laughs> because in the audio commentary, Jeff Bridges said that that scene is the scene that people like say to him all the time <laughs> when they talk about Starman. So I love yeah. that. That scene is so great, so funny. It's it's wonderful. Okay, so before we get into you know our discussion of the film itself, I'm just going to give just a quick bit of background on how Starman came to be. So. The story goes that Columbia Studios famously chose this script between this and E.T. because uh, they were both kind of floating around in development at the same time. They're both similar stories of obvious differences, you know, watching both of what came to be with them. But the studio is like, we can't do both of these. So let's go with Starman. And it took longer to get through production. So E.T. comes out a couple years earlier and then Columbia is like, well, okay, we got to change a lot of things about Starman because it was too similar. Uh, so it went through several different directors being attached to the project. But I want to say that Michael Douglas, who's an executive producer on this, was attached the entire time. I think this was his kind of baby, which, again, first time I watched it as an adult, I was like, Michael Douglas? What? Uh, just unaware. Unaware. Good for him. Good taste. So let me see. Let me go through. There were six directors attached at some point. Um, let's see. We've got Mark Rydell, Adrian Lynn, John Batum, Tony Scott, Peter Himes, and then finally John Carpenter. And uh, Carpenter wanted to do this because he wanted to show some range. He wanted to show, like, I'm not just the horror guy. I'm not just the gore guy. And he's obviously, I mean, we talked about this quite a bit on the, our last episode with Christine. He's obviously still smarting from the reception to the thing and really trying to not become 
you know, that guy who makes gross movies. So, you know, I think I think we discussed in our thing episode as well that like we feel that criticism is pretty unwarranted and it's established as a classic now, but you can't take away the impact it had on his career at the time. So that was kind of what drew Carpenter to this as a project. And um, then through him with casting, you know, he um, I think they they were considering Kevin Bacon for a while, which that happened in Christine as well. Yeah. Uh, Once again, it's like a hit and miss or a near miss for Kevin Bacon and John Carpenter. Um, And then for a bit, it was Tom Cruise, but he was working on Ridley Scott's Legend, so he wasn't available for it. And then finally, thank goodness we get. Jeff Bridges because I really don't I I can't picture anybody other than Jeff Bridges pulling this off I mean you have to it's like you said Chris like he has like an approachability to him and like Mm -hmm. obviously he's got range as an actor but he has a really great way of he like de-escalates situations in this movie that I think he's perfect perfect for it is that fair to say (laughs) you got you got a nod right you got an Oscar nomination he did yeah which is you know as unusual then as it is now to get nominated for something that's not, you know, like a period romance or a biopic or something, you know, it's still for whatever nonsensical reasons, not this type of film that would get Academy Award um, attention for performances in particular. So it was a pretty big accomplishment for him. And when I looked up who he lost to, I was like, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. He he lost to F. Murray Abraham, who was Salieri and Amadeus. Which mm-hmm. is a great performance. So, it is. Yeah. But yeah. I would have given it to Jeff Bridges. But did <laughs> but did F. Murray Abraham study birds to know, work on right? his performance? Did he? Because that probably would have been weird if he did. Right? So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the work that Jeff Bridges put into this role is... Uh, something else like he really he's uh, some major dedication there and um it really pays off in a way that like this could it could go so cheesy right oh easily i think maybe megan and i think of this more than maybe chris does but i think he keeps it from ever being like cringe or like this dummy or this weirdo like he really has a way of performing as both very very smart and also very very confused Absolutely. I think it's also, and Jeff Bridges has spoken in many interviews very openly about this. I think it's also a testament to Karen Allen's performance because Mm -hmm. she is the audience surrogate and she's Mm -hmm. watching everything and her believability of what she's seeing, Jeff Bridges has credited to the audience buying his performance too. So I think Jeff Bridges is incredible in this, but I also think that Karen Allen's performance, I think they're working in tandem to the believability. I think Megan's entirely right on that. And we'll get to their performances and stuff, but (laughs) I really think you're right. Without Karen Allen grounding this Mm -hmm. film, I think it it could easily tiptoe into being corny and entirely over the top. So yeah, she adds, I think really the, the depth and the, and the, and the, the gravitas to this that allows bridges to do what he does in this film. You're entirely right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I agree. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's, she, her performance is just so wonderful. Like she has so much heart to what she's doing. I mean, she, like you said, she's the audience surrogate and you're completely with her when, you know, she's, going through these stages with him of like just absolute fear and 
confusion to kind of caution <laughs> and then like maybe he's gonna leave him and then you're watching it, you're like oh oh I, I mean I guess she is kidnapped but I don't want her to leave him <laughs> so uh it she really does a good job of um like you said keeping it realistic like somehow in this absolutely fanciful situation none of it seems unreal now let's start at the beginning because that makes sense we've got some special effects dream team players here with um in particular the the transformation the i guess the the growth of <laughs> starman i don't know really what to what to call it but we've got stan winston rick baker and dick smith as the three like head of special effects here they each had their own unit working on this and the other effects throughout the movie which i know kind of touched on uh him walking out of that explosion really doesn't look that impressive. I think you can get a, like a filter to do that on Instagram right now. But um, <laughs> oh, come on. It's, it's, what? it's been a while. This 82, 83, 84. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's it's been a while. Yeah. But but the the transformation that's pretty unreal, especially I can't even imagine like for the time, like what what that was to to watch. Yeah, I think one of the more weirder, more weirder things in the commentary <laughs> to the carpenter talks. But yeah, no, here's a. Yeah, we we see the baby here, but we have to we have to hide the baby because the baby had a gigantic penis, <laughs> and they were like, and they and they wanted to not, they yeah. didn't want it to show us because it would be distracting. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. And I was like, I gotta look this guy up on IMDb, and like, you know, hopefully he uses that in his match profile or something. Wow. I have no idea, but uh, I was like, all wow. right, John. Wow. <laughs> This is what I'm missing by not having the commentary. Yeah, oh, yeah. man. This <laughs> is the important stuff. <laughs> I am yep. really, really missing out. So, yeah, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I feel like it goes without saying as we're covering movies that are, that have just been around for so long. But uh, this is a, an alien comes to Earth, grows himself a Jeff Bridges, and just essentially clones slash grows from a lock of hair from Jenny, who's played by Karen Allen, for her husband. So he is in the form of Jeff Bridges, but he's an alien. He's the Starman. And that's his name, is just Starman. He doesn't have like an alien name that we know of. So I just throwing in an explanation, however many minutes into this, just in case you don't know what Starman is. Yeah, he comes from a highly intelligent planet and he is responded to, is it the Voyager 2 probe? Yes. That has yep. been sent out, basically saying like, "Hey, why don't you uh, swing by sometime?" Me and either. and he does. Yes. So we in, we invited him, and maybe that's what's going on right now. Who knows? It feels like there's aliens coming. Right now. <laughs> Just it maybe. Is timely, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, We're shooting them out of the sky, left and right, I, right now. I mean, just just watching it, I was like, oh yeah, no, we would we would do that. But we we all know we've all seen enough alien movies to know that like. <laughs> We're we're honestly we're watching the news and we're surprised. We're like, why did it take them days to shoot it down? Like in the movies, they shoot it down right away. Come on. Well, I mean, if you had to look at the numbers, how many ETs do we get as opposed to predators? Right. I mean the mm -hmm. the 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 the, uh, the levels there. We, we get a lot of bad alien invaders more so than we get good ones. So. Yeah, I guess maybe the good ones just, they don't get the attention. Or maybe the bad ones turn bad because we start by shooting first and asking <laughs> questions be. later. <laughs> maybe that is our bad. Possibly. Possibly. That is. We kind of do like they say. We sent them an invitation. Like, come oh, on yeah. down. We just, did. You know, we cover did. your butt. We're going we're gonna to come after you. <laughs> yeah. We should really just be nice. We should be nice to the visitors. Just I want to be on record in case they're 
you know, amicable. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I just, well, I mean, if they're xenor- xenomorphs, I'm screwed. But, you know, if they're like, if they're open to like letting people survive, like I just want them to know that I'm, I'm okay with it. So, oh yeah, I would yeah. take uh, 10,000 illegal Jeff Bridges. Oh, or undocumented Jeff Bridges, I think is probably what we should say, over a single xenomorph. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's he's great. I'm all for their species. They seem lovely. Absolutely. <laughs> we have plenty of room in this country. We have plenty of room. Nothing but room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what, I think one of the fascinating things about this film that I've noticed on many rewatches, and having seen it so many times, <laughs> is how anti-establishment this film is, and how mm. anti-military it is, anti-warfare, anti-police, uh, and how it really highlights humanity and how humans help each other. And I know that obviously the Starman says that at the end to Sherman mm. when he says what I love most about you, what's most beautiful about humans is that you're at your very best when things are at their worst. But throughout the film, people help them like just kind of out of nowhere. And like the college kids who are like, Hey man, they're trying to break the cops are trying to break into your car. You want some help? And when, you know, Jenny Hayden goes into the diner and she's like, I need to ride fast. And the guy's like, I'll give you a ride. Like just people are helping them left and right, but not the military. And so I find this very interesting. And I think it's very clear, even though John Carpenter didn't write this screenplay, I think it's very clear his politics are, very much prevalent and obvious in this film yeah he's always has a a big anti-authority run in all of his work yeah he's he's like him and i think we talked about on other shows too him and kurt russell are very similar politically i think they're both pretty left libertarian i think basically oh kurt russell's Um, a republican oh is well i think then definitely the libertarian part um i think likely i think and i'm sure but i'm sure russell's um, I would imagine. Well, maybe I don't know. I would assume he's socially left. Maybe I don't know. Has he done any? Uh... I don't know. Oh, he's Santa Claus, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, Can't get more. Goldie uh, yeah, establishment is very than that. dem, but not Kurt Russell, yeah. unfortunately. Because I know a couple of the commentaries I listen to, like on Escape from New York, something they talk about how that film is kind of perfect because it fits both of their politics, which oh, I would so not then think that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so that they're anti-establishment, anti. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's like a Schwarzenegger Republican or if he's like a <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, who knows? You but know, no. people are full of contradictions. So who knows? Maybe True. maybe he thinks he's far more liberal than he is. Who knows? But or maybe he's conservative on some issues, not on others. I don't know. So that but that's yeah. fascinating and good to know. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. but no, I think that's a really interesting insight on to um, Carpenter's interpretation, or at least a message he's portraying. In the film, absolutely. I love what you were saying about how just helpful people are throughout this yeah. movie. Just like hop okay. on in the back of the truck. I It really is. It's such a nice version of America that they're going through. Right? <laughs> you know, dri- driving across country <laughs> and, you know, just generally without a few exceptions, um, having a pretty pretty good time when eating so many delicious desserts oh my god like, i got i got so pie. hungry watching this movie <laughs> i did not remember that from when i watched it before i was just like oh my gosh i want to go to a diner like i want diner food while i was watching it but yeah it is uh, and they shot it on location kind of all throughout the country so it's not exactly where they say there are they are um throughout i think uh tennessee might be doubling for 
Wisconsin in a few parts. I know they shot some of it in Arizona. Karen Allen said it was like very much a, a family kind of vibe on set because like they were on a road trip, mm-hmm. um, which just sounds sounds super fun to me. Like <laughs> must have been a, a great experience. I mean, I'm sure obviously there's a lot of gruel to filming a movie, but it sounds like it was like a good, good set, good crew, um, good experience overall as they kind of traveled America pretending to run into diners. So. <laughs> Yeah, everything in every commentary, every interview from John Carpenter to Jeff Bridges to Karen Allen that I've read is that it was so lovely and everybody had the utmost kindness and respect for each other. But something that was really fat, something that's fascinating to me is that John Carpenter in the audio commentary talked about how he hates car shooting, like despises it. And it's so hard. And that's something I hadn't really thought about. I'm like, Oh yeah, the lighting and the logistics, I guess. Yeah, they are hard. And then also that blowing up in the forest in Tennessee Mm. because it was so wet and it took like two days when it should have been a lot quicker. But yeah, other than those logistical problems and a lot of night shoots, it seems that it was such a lovely, lovely atmosphere. And I just want to do a fact check. Kurt Russell is libertarian. I like okay. I like to there fact check go. myself. <laughs> there you go. There we go. That makes that makes sense. Which that I still feels... consider Republican, but that's the, that's yeah. a me thing. <laughs> it's it's basically it's yeah, Republicans who what like to smoke pot and yes, uh, yes exactly. <laughs> yeah. But Chris, you were right, so I wanted to confirm that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here we go. That's gonna keep me up all night. <laughs> Would have kept me up seriously. I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you were firing up Twitter to correct us, don't worry. <laughs> it's it. already been handled. We're cool. We we di- we did our homework. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> you are very welcome. <laughs> I want to just sidebar briefly into um, because we kind of talked about how this was chosen by the studios over ET and then had to be kind of reworked to differentiate itself. And you know, uh, a very special person in my life called this sexy ET. Um, <laughs> I just kind of referred to Starman as sexy ET. Did come out two years later. It came out December fourteenth, nineteen eighty four. It came out the same day as Dune. It debuted at number six in the U.S. box office. Beverly Hills Cop was in its second week at number one. Then it was Dune. Then it was City Heat, which is a movie that I've never heard of. Oh, yeah. Uh, Clinton Burton, that one, yeah. I, I, not I, a like, great film. I looked at the poster and I was it? like, ooh, have you seen it? I have him? not seen it, no. I yeah, don't think not, we're missing anything. Terrible. <laughs> no, I'm okay I, with Conceptually, it's a fun idea and it's got Burt Reynolds and Kilne Eastwood in it, but Ew. it's it's not very <laughs> Pass and pass, but thank you. <laughs> um, then after that was 2010, The Year We Make Contact. I love that movie. I So I've never seen it. Honestly, I didn't know it existed until a couple of years ago when I went into a rabbit hole on 2001. And, and then I was like, there's another one. And then yeah. I never watched it. So meant to get there, but haven't yet. Then the next one is The Cotton Club, which I also had not heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Then there's Starman at number six. So didn't really do uh, spectacularly at the box office. Did get good reviews, though. And obviously, as we talked about, Jeff Bridges got an Academy Award nomination, which for, you know, a movie that (laughs) came out at number six uh, was one of several spacey movies happening at the time. Uh, And at the end of December to get a nomination next year. It's pretty pretty impressive Starman stuff. Did you guys know that they made a TV show out of this? Because I didn't know that. Yes, I've seen it. Is it, is it? I knew of it, but I've never seen it. It's horrendous. Is, 
<laughs> it's an abomination. <laughs> that was my guess. One um, season, right? Yep. One, one season. season. Robert Hayes. It's, it's yes. terrible. <laughs> terrible. One of the worst yeah. things I've ever seen. It's awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's shameful. Oh gosh. Yeah. And <laughs> and this is this is our our second movie in a row that we have uh, a remake coming. So I'm I'm for sure, for sure. I thought I mean, last time they kind of felt like the they couldn't really make it work. Yeah, that's the last I heard. Megan's too. a star man expert. What have you heard? <laughs> I'm about expert, but I'll take that. I'll take that moniker. I, yes, um, expert. Sure. Yeah, the last I had heard too that Sean Levy said that he was looking for a script. He hadn't found a script that could be adaptable. Um, mm. So it's maybe it's because um, right now we're good with the one that we have. Right? Should we? Right. <laughs> like if you can't exactly find if you don't have the story and all you have is the idea of I want to make somebody else's movie but I want to make it again do you have an idea yeah unless you're telling it from a radically <laughs> different perspective or something no you don't yeah but weirdly yeah. Jeff Bridges and Karen Allen have both expressed interest in doing a sequel so I, I don't know <laughs> what would that be could you get John uh, out of the uh, rocking chair to see if you uh, come back and do it I don't know. I can't even... Would there be a demand for it, though? I just don't think there's a big demand for this property. I don't. I just want to leave the story where it is. Me too. Just, you know, with yeah. her big old eyes staring up into the sky uh, as it ends. And great just... final shot. Yeah. So... <laughs> Love it. All right. I, I'm just going to ask. because I'm Yes, not... please. Why do you think this did not work for me as well as it did for both of you? It's... I feel like there are parts of this that are very good and engaging, but as a complete picture as i like to say um it doesn't really work for me i don't i can't put my finger on what my problem is with this film i just it it just never really comes together for me uh as being narratively cohesively and i'm just saying words now interesting (laughs) i think is the problem you know i like oh that's a really nice scene oh that's a really good performance but at the end i'm like oh okay all right it's another, you know, another fine, fine film. It's fine. I am going to go out on a limb and say that it is a personal problem for you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, if, if I had seen this movie my whole life and I had nostalgia feels for it, I'd be open to the possibility that like I have rose colored glasses for it, but I've only really comprehended it as a fully formed adult woman and i just like it so i can't really uh say why it's not quite coming together for you i just i really like it it's not that john carpenter is in the end i think one of the greatest genre directors who ever lived and that this particular genre is just not something he's able to fully wrap his hands around i think i don't think i think he does i i think he really (laughs) he he does it quite beautifully for mm-hmm. for somebody who's not got a history of essentially it is it is a romantic comedy it's just it doesn't feel like yep. a romantic comedy because mm-hmm. when you say rom-com you picture something with like Katherine Heigl in it and it's just like oh why but like this is a romantic comedy it yep. is like it's not your 2000s and I don't have an issue romantic it, comedies but... I love romance romance movies generally yeah as well, I mean, what? I, one of my favorite films of the past 10 years, I wouldn't call it a comedy. The Portrait <laughs> of a Lady on Fire. It's a film no, that that's not a comedy. <laughs> that's not a 
it's I know, but it's a, a rom- but it's it's a romantic drama. I'm saying though, I have a heart. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I I know you I'm have sensitive. feelings, Chris. Once I know that you is do. one of my favorite films. Um, oh, but yeah, I'm sorry, Megan. Please, why am I so dumb? Specifically <laughs> about this film. Well, I wasn't going to say that. Specifically about this film. But my question, I have a couple questions, and one of my please. questions is. How many times did you watch it, and did you only watch it with the audio commentary? No, I watched it once, and then I watched it again with the commentary. Okay, because I was going to say, if you just watched it with the audio commentary, I'd be like, no, you need to go and watch it again immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. sure. I would say you haven't seen it enough times, and I know okay. that that might be kind of a divisive or controversial statement, because arguably... You should need to just watch a movie once and you can make an assessment. But that's not how I watch movies. The way (laughs) I watch films is the more I see something, the more I get an accurate representation or expression of my emotional reaction to it. And sometimes that diminishes and sometimes that increases. And for me, I think there's a notion to the the talk of nostalgia. Hmm. I kind of bristle against the notion that I only would might like Starman because of my nostalgic feels <laughs> because I would like to think that I am enough of a media literate person that I can separate my own feelings and yeah. and watch the craft of filmmaking and see how expertly it's done. Having said that though, of course nostalgia is going to play a role. But for me, it's not so much nostalgia that I watched this as a kid so many times. It's that I've watched this film so many times. Like I've watched it so Mm -hmm. many times as an adult. I've picked up so many nuances. So I would say maybe you have to watch it more. And you know what? Maybe you won't pick up anything more. Maybe you won't like it more. Maybe you'll be like, oh God, why are they telling me to watch it more? I don't like it anymore. (laughs) I like it less. You know, but and that's the thing. I think that's the beauty of film and storytelling is that mm. we're all bringing our own individual perspectives and biases and lives to the table and maybe it just doesn't resonate with you I, I don't know i don't know if you love a road movie i don't know i know that you clearly love great romances because you love portrait of a lady <laughs> on fire which is one of my favorite films too so clearly you have excellent impeccable taste <laughs> <laughs> i'm not biased at all but yeah but i mean maybe this just doesn't resonate with you i mean like i said i what i also love about it is i love that it's on location and you know yeah. lady one like you said it's not always in the location that it's supposed to be in but it is on location and i think that that's huge because especially in the 80s so many movies were were not on location but yeah i think it's that i think it's the cinematography i think it's the acting i think it's the long shots the editing that it takes its time for me it's all of these things that are working in tandem fair it's entirely possible i don't know and and i'm not coming at this too like i well, i want escape from new york john carpenter you know i'm happy to see <laughs> directors spread their wings i just also know sometimes that maybe what is the phrase you know their reach exceeds their grasp i'm not sure like i said as as a as a whole it just didn't really capture me though i think there are some wonderful wonderful parts in this film maybe it is within the context of this show maybe it's this is not like hitting the the carpenter spot for you because it is it is very outside of what we've seen him do so far Mm -hmm. and we're really if if you're only watching this within the context of watching his movies if this is your first experience with it like it is you know it's gonna feel like what how did we get here and especially (laughs) i would hazard a guess that perhaps knowing that he is still making career decisions based off of what happened with the thing and that the thing is your favorite movie that maybe you're kind of harboring some negative feelings towards things he made 
trying to get away from the thing. So maybe uh, maybe that's a little bit of why you weren't loving Christine the way me and Lindsay were and why Starman's not quite doing it for you like it is for me and yeah. Megan is it's not it's not what you're coming to him for. That's such a great point. <laughs> yeah. And horror films in general, too. I have a um, there are certain. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's not no true. <laughs> Because <laughs> I love all different kinds of horror. I thought films, I just figured it out, different... man. I know it I sounded I like it. you did. Yeah, and listen, it sounded really smart. The case. It did, but I think I have to respectfully disagree. It's and then I want to state too. I hope I didn't um, insult you at all in my nostalgia thing. I, I know that you are. Uh, an oh God, no! And a great writer. Oh, I feel oh, that's more. So kind of I was more you. just that you know. Yeah, I think that that stuff can color our opinion on things, but that you do indeed, 100%. and most of us have the ability to still separate that from it and say like, "Oh, I love this movie, but I know it's a piece of shit." Exactly. Type of thing I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although I don't, I don't so, know. Yeah. I think some people can't. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. some people cannot. <laughs> they, can. they really, really can't. No, but that's a thing. I, 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 yeah. I think it's a fair, it's a fair critique, and it's, it's one that I have questioned myself on certain films. Like, do I like? Is this movie really great? Like, or am I just coming to the table because? you know, kid Megan loved it. You know? so, yeah. No, so no, no, no. I was not insulted at all. I, like I said, I, I, I just, I think it's a valid critique. I think it's a valid question. Yeah. I think it's important to discuss because especially now with so much media, so much of it is based on nostalgia and is being churned out because of nostalgia. And one helps the case too, because she had, didn't have any real previous experience outside of that one viewing as a child. And she didn't yeah. remember. remember. <laughs> didn't even know and it was an alien. She agrees with you. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think, I think it's kind of it's interesting to look at all of the different factors that play into how you receive a movie, yes. right? So whether it's you've seen this, you know, forever, your whole life, so it's like a good comfort watch for you, which Chris has said, like, when the thing can can be a comfort watch for him, which Matt and I questioned his <laughs> like, I get it. stability. We were like, oh. you just put it on? Well, I, I think my it. ultimate comfort watch is probably yeah. Superman the movie. Because that, that makes that's me feel, a comfort watch. That wouldn't make me oh, feel safe and like I'm 10 yeah. years old again. And, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, was like, yeah. <laughs> I think there's so many different ways that the situation in which you receive a movie can impact it. Like, I am going to try never to watch Spider-Man No Way Home ever again. Because I saw it in the theaters on opening night. And I don't, I'm never going to beat that experience with like the crowd, like hooting and hollering and screaming about things. And, you know, I've heard people talk a lot of smack about it not being that good. I'm just never going to watch it again. Well, they're wrong. It's good. So so I'm just, I'm good. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. the, The influence of nostalgia or the context or all that that happens for me a lot where if i'm not in the right headspace for a movie Mm -hmm. i'll think it was like wasn't doing it for me i've watched some good movies and then afterwards i was like i didn't like it and then i watched it again later i'm like i might have been in a mood (laughs) (laughs) that might have been good i don't know what's wrong with me yeah that's a good point yeah Yeah, i'll have to give it a spin and another spin sometime yeah, give it some time. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think the interesting thing, too, comparing it to the thing, just because I know we keep talking about it because it is so relevant to the conversation because it is such a reaction, is that not only was the thing and you know so gory, of course, and that was so shocking, but just such a nihilistic ending and that sure. this is such the opposite of that, even though it's a sad love story in the sense that they, you know, yeah. 
don't end up together. It's a very, very hopeful ending and so radically mm-hmm. different. So, you know. And those are my, those are my favorite ones. Oh, they the, are? The, oh, well, then. The I tragic love stories. Oh, I, I, I love, like, Portrait, you know? Yeah, that's true. Or, uh, that's true. I mean, I, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I have to say, I sob uncontrollably at the end of this every time. It's so oh, beautiful. Every single <laughs> time I am a puddle on the floor, a shaking wreck. Oh yeah. It's it's so it's so emotional and yes. oh, yeah. Beautiful. I I also I also love a love story where they don't end up together. I don't know. Me too. What What's that wrong says with about us? me? <laughs> I don't I, Yeah, it's just I don't know what that is, but I but I love it. But it's just it's the whole kind of ending of it for me. It just it feels very emotional and there's a whole lot of times for me where I'm like just kind of like, "Oh, take it a moment." Like yeah. I I just I I don't I know we don't have a, a clip for it, but when when he says I gave you a baby, if you do not want this baby, oh. I'll stop it, which is so romantic and also Starman believes in a woman's right to choose. So yes, yes he does. <laughs> canonically Starman, thank you <laughs> fully. He's like this is up to you, Jenny Hayden. Although not to be a downer, but he doesn't understand consent because he kisses her when she's sleeping. But yeah, aside from <laughs> that's that, because of that's because of the movie's that's fault true. that that's he from watched. Here to eternity's so it's fault. That's, that's right. from here is right. Yeah, that's right. Because I think if he had had a few like more waking hours yes. with Jenny, she would have explained that. But it's the totally. movie's fault. See, movies can be bad influences, <laughs> and that's another thing that Starman that's teaches right. us. That's right. But yes, but he understands reproductive justice. Good on yes. you, Starman. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Love it. Love at the at the end of this movie, I had two random. What uh, I think it was. Oh gosh, I can't remember. It might have been Evan from from your show that said this to me when I was like, I just had like two breakthrough thoughts, and he's like, you had some galaxy brain moments. <laughs> at the end of this movie, I had. T- I actually I had three that evening, but two were about this movie. The first one is this movie in Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Both end with Ron Howard's best friends from high school in American graffiti going out into the desert while an alien spaceship comes to Earth and the government tries to stop it. Close Encounters of the Third Kind <laughs> and Starman. Yep. They're both they both end yep, kind of the same way and it's it's Ron Howard's like his which I don't know Ron Har- Howard's name in American Graffiti which is terrible but <laughs> his two best friends it's Richard Dreyfus and uh what's his name? Martin. Oh god. Charles Martin Smith. Yes, thank you. Charles Martin Smith. They're, those are his two best friends and they both have that happen yep. in in a film it's it's a weird little strange moment and my other strange realization was a a moment of being so happy that this was not another john carpenter kurt russell movie otherwise this would be the star lord origin story um (laughs) because it's it's the same story and it's kurt russell who plays the alien who comes to earth and impregnates a woman and yeah, uh, I was true. just like, wow, wow, bullet dodge. This could have been where where did Star-Lord come from? <laughs> Starman. Yeah. What did so, he do with the last little blue ball? I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were my like crazy moments at the end of the movie where I was like, wait, what? And uh, yeah, I felt my brain expand as I came to those realizations. <laughs> oh, I hope nice. you all enjoyed. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Can we have a, a minute of appreciation as well for Charles Martin Smith in this of film? Course. Who is one yes. of my favorite kind of character Ooh. actors and 
great in The Untouchables. So uh, I don't know great. if you ever saw Never oh, Cry yeah. Wolf, which I saw as a kid, I think, in the theater, mm-hmm. which freaked me the heck out. I have not seen it, though, I think, in probably 20, 30 years. it's a terrifying movie. But, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, but I, whenever he shows up, I don't know. I always gonna, I'm going to have an engaging, entertaining performance whenever I see him. So I'm always happy when he pops up. So when he showed up here, I was like, oh, nice. All right. We got some Chuck yeah. Marty Smith in this. So it will be good. <laughs> Yeah, he is great. Are we ready to do a little bit in the score corner? Are we ready to? Because this is a little bit different. Yeah, let's go around. I don't even want to talk about it because it's not. It's not Johnny Cage. Because <laughs> it's not John Carpenter. Yeah. So it's... I think I think we can still give it give it a bit of time because we started the score corner before the Carpenter season, so it hasn't always had That's to be true. his his thing. But but I was really excited about it this season. But yeah, it's a highlight this season for sure but when but when you talked last episode that you were like watch out because he john carpenter is going to start using some pseudonyms coming up and i started this movie and i'm reading the credits and i'm like jack nietzsche is composer i was like that's a john carpenter pseudonym no i'm a dumb person (laughs) that's a real composer composer. (laughs) but i was like that sounds like a pseudonym like but no but no it's not yeah no so this guy worked with phil Spector. Who, um, brilliant producer. Yeah. I don't think anything ever else happened with Phil Spector that I need to be worried about in any capacity. Faded into, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just stuck murderer. It's fine. Uh, Stones, uh, Neil Young, some other people as well. <laughs> um, what I understand too with Nietzsche is that his, a lot of his thing was he was very experimental. He didn't use, you didn't use always a lot of traditional instrumentation. In fact, one of the big things in this film is the theme. He recorded his wife <sighs> and then kind of synced up her vocal or something like that to kind of give this weird ethereal sound. And that's kind of so what cool. you hear a lot in the theme when it's not the initial string part but when it kind of settles a bit then that's kind of her her vocal in there and it adds this kind of ethereal feel to the film for me mm-hmm. my my only concern with it is i think the score overall is a little repetitive i think that it leans on the theme perhaps a little too much throughout the film it's like every time there's another movie too oh yeah it's really horrible actually and this is a very sorry a weird segue like in the first james bond film <laughs> dr no with the Monty Norman theme, it's used over and over. And every time, like, you know, Bond puts, takes his hat off and puts it on a chair and then a theme kicks in, you know, it's like, it's like, it's not that bad, but I feel that overall the main theme is used, I think, a little too much. I maybe like a little more incidental ambient stuff. There is stuff in here, but, you know, it's like 30 seconds mm-hmm. here, maybe there, but then the theme itself, every time Bridges does something, it just swells right up again. Because it's so beautiful. It is. Listen, it is really <laughs> nice. I don't know. I wasn't as blown away by it. Plus, it didn't, it doesn't, I think I, this may be something to see what you, Megan and Juana both said too about my expectations about being in the middle of a Carpenter marathon is mm-hmm. now I've tuned my mm-hmm. ear to a very particular sound mm-hmm. and yeah. it's an entirely different film. So we have an entirely different soundscape. And though I appreciate it and I liked it, I think like in the film itself, great moments. Overall, it's okay. But I think, um, I think Megan, you may have a different opinion on that. <laughs> I do. I love it. I mean, I can, I can see why someone might not be completely on board with it because it is very repetitive. For me, the loud, the like crescendo of like the symbols that is more restrained and so to me there is some variance amongst the repetition of the main theme so it works for me and it is so beautiful so i was okay with it but i could see it not 
resonating with everyone. But for me, it does. <laughs> I just love the main theme. And honestly, I didn't even clock the rest of it. But like the Starman theme, anytime it played, I was very happy. I can just see you. You're just sitting there at your screen. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> You're like, one more time. Yes. It's like a warm hug in my oh soul. Oh, my God. I don't know what it I is. I don't listen to that all day, every day. Uh, I love it. It's so good. Give it to me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I really do. <laughs> but yes, it, it is uh, definitely a change up from the other scores that we've covered this season mm-hmm. uh, because it's not, not John Carpenter no. doing it. So that And that's that's okay. okay. We can We can have that happen. Yeah, he didn't want to do this. Not too frequently. (laughs) No, not very often at all. So I have, um, we've been doing this season kind of our returning players, something that we got to bring back from the first season with Kevin Smith because he gets obsessed with people and puts them in every movie. (laughs) For this film, though, I, I only have one returning player on screen. Obviously, there's a lot of returning players on the crew. Uh, but notably not Dean Cundy due to, quote, needing to clear up attitude problems at the time, um, which I guess they did because Cundy's going to be back when we get to our next episode. But I just think it's very funny that Carpenter at the time was like, um, yeah, I'll work with him again, but we need to clear up some attitude <laughs> problems. It's like, all right. Damn. So yes, more uh, collaborators in the crew, but on screen, all I have is uh, Buck Flower. Yeah. He's one of the many helpful Americans who provides the Starman with a favor and he gives him a ride. Um, he plays drunk in Escape from New York. From New yep. York. That's the his name there, <laughs> um, which is very similar to my personal favorite performance from him, which is Rat, the drunk person in Back to the Future. So... <laughs> Uh, Wait for They Live. You're going to have a lot of fun with Buck and that one. I'm I'm very excited. (laughs) So um, unless unless I've missed anybody, he's uh, our only returning performer. Yeah, that's all I'm aware of. So since we're talking performances, are we ready to each pick our favorite performance in the film? I I have been agonizing over this decision. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) There's no wrong answer unless you don't agree with Chris. That's that's the wrong answer. Then I'll be told it's wrong. (laughs) We'll play you off with the uh, theme. Thank you for joining us. Wrap it up. I'll get like the hook and like old timey yeah. vaudeville theater and, like, yeah. off stage. <laughs> Chris, why don't you go first? I feel like you're less nervous about choosing this. All right. I can't remember the last time. Who gives I your went favorite performance? This is a very exciting moment for me. Well, enjoy this. I think the layup is Bridges, but I think, as I said before, the film doesn't work without Karen Allen. So I'm going with Allen. She's the heart yeah! and soul of this film. <gasps> oh. I can't believe how excited I am about that. well it's gonna go to a vote on twitter too so it's gonna get it's gonna get very exciting megan do you agree is is karen allen also giving your favorite performance no i went back and forth so much because (laughs) i think they're both equally great i think they're both exceptional you know i think they both have tough roles the fact that jeff bridges is doing things with his body and his face that other actors are not doing but i agree with chris i think what karen allen is doing with her face and the gravitas of her performance and holding tragedy and sadness and poignancy Mm. and hope and kind of all of that in just one look yeah Yeah. i'm giving it to karen allen 
Yeah. Honestly, that makes it easier on me because now I can pick Jeff oh, good. and not feel like <laughs> Karen Allen's getting slighted in any way. Um, but yeah, it is so, so hard so to hard. choose between the two of them. Just they play so perfectly together. It's like a perfect balance of, you know, her raw emotion throughout and his kind of it's not often you get to see a man doing the born sexy yesterday trope. But that's true. And it, it is not annoying <laughs> when a man does it because he still is a real character. So, you know, it could be so silly and so one note and so cringe. And and he manages to avoid all that. But as we said, so much of why that cringe is avoided is because of Karen Allen. So we got a great, great couple here. Oh, they're so good. They're so yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. <sighs> Lovely. So... Now it is time to give our rating for the film overall. So Rotten Tomatoes has this 86% fresh, but we rate films this season on a synth score. You want it one more time? I know you love it. It's too bad it's an auditory medium because <laughs> both of them raise their fists and joy. It's glory just, I like, I just, it's so it's so wonderful it's so it's wonderful. joy it's triumph it's, uh, it's everything go. feelings all the yes. feelings all yes. at once um i love it uh but yes we will be rating this film as we do all season on the one through five synth score and synths can only be divided in half uh so that is that's kind of our limit chris would you like to go first again Ooh, look at this wow okay <laughs> <laughs> i will i'm i think i think if i'm being honest with myself it's a three out of five okay you can be honest that's fine just this one time uh- so let me let me just look at your um your ratings thus far for the season so you are rating it slightly lower than christine which you gave a three wow. and a half yep. again slightly lower than assault on precinct 13 you gave that a three and a half as well but higher than dark star mm-hmm. which you gave just just a two for that one so Correct. okay for for me because I, I want megan to go last for me i'm gonna give this a four this is a four again for me. I want I, I like waffled really hard between a four and a four and a half. I think uh, I, I could waffles. I Ooh. yeah. Waffles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I might I might talk myself into a four and a half just because of how much joy the score gives me. I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm pushing it up to a four and a half, which for me is uh higher than Christine and uh higher than <laughs> Escape from New York. <laughs> It is uh this is the same as Assault on Precinct thirteen for me. Which yeah, now that I say that out loud, that makes sense. You're yes. Okay with that. Right. Go going with four and a half. Megan. I mean, I have bestowed <laughs> praise, heaps of it on this film, the acting, the cinematography, everything. We haven't even really we mentioned it briefly. We haven't even discussed my favorite scene, the deer scene, which I think is just oh, yes. it's so touching. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I think it crystallizes yeah. so much kindness and hope in one scene. This is a five out of five for me. Yay! I, think that, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. I think this is a masterpiece. I think this is John Carpenter's masterpiece. I know that is very surprising because everybody thinks it's the thing or Halloween. And, you know, people are, there's lots of opinions are great, but mine is, I think it's Starman. So let's oh, talk wow. about that scene. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Break yes, that down. Let's get because into it. One of the things, when I watched it, I was like, how in God's name did they do that? And they explain it in the yep, commentary, and I got upset. Yeah, because I don't like animals being 
treated that way in any capacity. I'm vegan, right? So I, I don't like too. animals being treated that way in any capacity. So I don't know if you know, Juan, what they do is they basically trank the deer mm. and then they gave him a little adrenaline shot or something, mm-hmm. something like a small oh. little bit. So we just slowly kind of wake up. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. And I'm not comfortable manipulating the physiology or the health, whatever you want to put it. Because what if somebody screwed up? Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, but it's a brilliant scene. It's beautiful. It is. It's a it's brilliant fantastic. scene, and I did not know it until I watched the commentary. And I wish I didn't know it, but that would be foolish. Yeah. But no, Chris, I'm vegan too, and I I actually despise when animals are in films. I hate it when cats are in films and dogs are in films. I don't want any animals in films. I'm here for the CGI yeah. usage of film of animals in film. So yeah. I agree with you, and and it you know it is something that I'm glad. That you mentioned it, and I think it's it is important to discuss because does that change my relationship to that mm. scene? I don't know. I have to sit with it more because it is like if you're just looking at it from a narrative perspective, it's beautiful. But mm. when you yeah. look at the behind the scenes, yeah, it is really creepy and horrible. And yeah. Jeff Bridges is talking That's about it in a very cavalier tough. way, and I'm like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Does Jeff Bridges hunt? I would assume I feel, so. I feel like I could see him hunting. So maybe that's why you're so chill about it. I don't it. know. It's interesting. He talked <laughs> about it as like it was a beautiful moment. Like he didn't he he didn't talk about it in kind of like an, an objectifying way, interestingly. So yeah. I don't know. And that commentary was recorded, what, like 2000, 2002? He was yeah. doing The Candidate, right? The, contender. the one with Joan Allen? Yes. The Contender. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, oh. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know if att- attitudes towards animals has changed that much. Well, it's been 20 years. It's I guess. been 20 years. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I've only, I, I, I wasn't vegan 20 years ago, so yeah. So at least one attitude has changed. What do you think, Juan? Why aren't you vegan? Why don't you want to be on the cool train? What's wrong <laughs> with you? You know, I actually, I'm, I'm, I was thinking about this today because I was think like I was making my dinner and I, I had fish. I, I'm sorry, um, but as I was sitting there making my, you know, tilapia to to have my dinner, I was like. I could probably give up meat, but I don't think I could ever give up cheese because I was thinking about how I was going to talk with both of you guys today. <laughs> and I I like was genuinely thinking about it. I was like, because I hate the idea of eating meat. It makes me feel really bad. I don't like it. Like if somebody said you can only eat meat if you kill it yourself, I'd never eat meat again. But I just love cheese, man. And butter, and, like cream cheese and feta. And yeah. I'm that sorry. is what that is what most <laughs> vegetarians say before they go vegan, though. Just to say, I mean, I said that too. I'm like, I'll never give up cheese, yeah. and I I gave up cheese. I haven't eaten cheese in like 15 years, so. And being lactose intolerant myself made that a lot easier. For me. <laughs> oh, that would yeah, that easier. would that would help. But there are a lot of yeah. pretty good. There are some pretty good substitutes out there. there. Really the problem are. is you got to avoid the stuff that's filled with oil. That's the next yeah. thing. You can you can be vegan and still eat really unhealthy. Yeah. You can be not vegan and eat really. Too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not yeah. vegan for the health, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, thank you for everybody for listening to the Vegan Power Hour. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking yes. about our favorite vegan foods and recipes next. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like you said, great scene, but yeah, I don't know. It just stuck yeah. with me afterwards when I That's, listened to how that, they did it. Yeah, yeah, it's gross, and I'm glad I, you said that. Yeah. That is sad. That deer must have been like, what? right? What? Yeah. God, what and a... thank God they got it in one shot. Oh my God. I can't imagine yeah. if they had to do it a few times. Oh gosh. Yeah. I always think about that when I'm watching, whether it's like an old Western or 
something else that that comes out now like with horses when there's like some kind of scene where all the horses fall down and i'm like the horse doesn't know it's a movie (laughs) like that's the the horse doesn't know that and it it really upsets me every time because it's like especially if it's like a battle scene because i'm like the horse thinks it's real like (laughs) maybe that sounds silly no i don't think that sounds silly it doesn't know that it's acting yeah like i don't know it just it always seems so terrible so matt, yeah i'm i'm also all for cgi animals yeah matt always makes fun of me on the other show too because like if uh whatever, there's, if there's a dog that gets killed in a movie i like Can't. downgrade it i'll oh, like absolutely. knock it down like a immediate immediate yep. bad yeah. score so yeah. um but he always says yeah, you have no problem with like kids getting killed okay, like fine. in um <laughs> what was the uh that's fine <laughs> the shining sequel you know that kid got <laughs> taken out and i was like it's fine Whatever. but a dog forget it game that's horrible you can't can't hurt animals like that but you know kid kids are just future adults yeah exactly (laughs) i remember i was on i was online watch on twitter and somebody had posted a thing about infinity pool i don't know megan if you saw infinity i sure did all right so there's a scene where somebody tweeted out she goes i can't believe they killed the dog in the in infinity pool and initially i'm like (laughs) oh now i don't want to go see it and then I'm, I'm like, and then I watched the movie. And I'm like, oh, nope. that's pretty clever, that's, actually. Yep, not what you think. Yeah. <laughs> I like having no idea what's going on. Right now. <laughs> I know, and that person ah. who tweeted that got like a ton of like hate and people flipping out. And she's like, guys, it was a joke. It's not what you think. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Very good. Oh, and people being cool. exposed for not knowing what they're mad about. Pretty much. Well, if you saw the thought of you know you know that's my big issue with john wick i love the the films but the verb you know that opening that you know is, uh, oh i skipped over I that didn't... part i had my roommate yeah. skip over it for me so i could not see <laughs> what happened i mean i know what happens but yes yeah <laughs> megan was the rare occasion where i was not horrified by some animal violence because it was handled well in that you don't even see what's happening to that dog and also that oh, dog yeah was really mean so i thought that's you were about the, megan, megan i thought so too at no, first no, no. but then i realized I like, that's what i was trying to say megan. i was like what did megan say she <laughs> yeah. was cool she got you on board with the death of an animal in a movie what are you talking about <laughs> right? you didn't hear the three when i said it that's so yeah, strange that you couldn't hear me say megan with a three but yeah that was yeah that's the only critique i have for that film actually because yeah of that. And, and even then i think you're right it was handled reasonably good as it could I like guess. as i guess good is not the right word but as close to not at all upsetting as possible still still moderately upsetting but like the fact that it's all off screen and they made sure i was afraid of that dog and i was like it's not real it's not real it's okay see i think <laughs> that scene is to show that allison williams is the person you're not supposed to be rooting for because it shows how horrible she is that she wants the dog dead <laughs> mm. well that sidebar into Megan really quick. <laughs> I is, love it. We're talking Infinity Pool, just, Megan. I love it. <laughs> John, just Wick. Do this. John Wick. Is, I wonder if I would have like had different feelings for the movie when I was, not that I like really liked it or really hated it. I was kind of like in the middle-ish, but I just don't trust Allison Williams ever since oh, Get yeah, Out. No. So as soon as the movie starts, I'm like, this bitch. <laughs> Like, what's she going to do now? Like, I don't trust her. And I don't, I'm sure maybe it would have been better for the movie if I started being like, oh, well, she's trying her best and was like, oh, wait, I don't trust her. But instead, I started immediately being like, stay away from her. She's bad news. 
Like, I just, I, I can't. That's how I started the film, she, too. Yeah, because partly Get Out. She did too good of a job in Get she's Out, good. and I just yeah, can't. Yeah, but then she wanted that dog dead, and I was like, nope. I yeah, was like, nope, she's done. Yeah. I'm done with her. <laughs> I'm like, Megan can kill her. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I was really like, go ahead. Yeah, robot murder, just, sure. She's fine. <laughs> I love the transition from <laughs> Starman eventually into Megan. And it makes sense. Sure. We, we got there organically. <laughs> we did. We did. Okay. Okay. So Focus. we have one last, one last little rating to provide, which is a special one just for this season, um, which makes Chris cringe every time I bring it up because he doesn't like that I have a potty mouth oh. um, is we're all going to go around and give our score on how many fucks did John Carpenter give about this project. We actually had it with um, Christine. He said, you know, this was a job like I needed a job. I needed to prove that I can still, you know, do some good work. Um, it wasn't a passion project. And we know that as we go continue forward in his career, we're going to have some things that are maybe really, really a job. So we want to be able to plot this movie by movie through the season on um, just how many fucks does he give when he's making this movie? You just and uh, so the scale. Good. No, I'm I'm never going to stop saying it. Just hard. No, but you hard like F. charts. That's why this we're doing this. Oh, you I do. Love I love I love making charts, yeah, and yeah. I'm excited that I'm going to do a rank my Russells at the end <laughs> uh, of the season. I love that. But I just I do I it. It's, I just love it. I want to make a research report out of this. Oh, so dear. I'd read that research report. I'm outlining my white paper right now. <laughs> like It's going to be something. And maybe you'll be the only one that reads it, Megan, but I will I'll appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> I love a research report. Thank I love you. a chart. I'm here for it. Thank you. So we are going to go through and we do a, a different scale. This is not a synth scale. This is a scale of fucks. So this is zero to ten. Really punch it there. Yes, yes, I did. Because I just want you to be uncomfortable, Chris. So, zero to ten. How many fucks to John Carpenter? I know, Chris. <laughs> if you didn't react, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> That's what this I is. Did, it's the hardest hit Fs I've ever really heard by anybody. And I love, listen, I love profanity. I think it's an art form. But this woman yeah. here, she just, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like a Mike Tyson punch to the kidneys every time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Chris, would you like to go first yet again? Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is all wow. the way. I'm gonna write down the <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go um, with an ocho. I'm gonna go with an eight on this. Okay. Bad bear. I think all that right. John is looking to expand his horizons and try and do something mm -hmm. different and show to everybody that he is not the guy who does the gooey, icky stuff and the violence mm -hmm. and the stalking he wanted to do something different so i think he is all in on this thing okay okay uh megan what is your rating for zero to ten i toyed with it of what one of, of what fox uh, how, how many, many fox <laughs> how many fox does carpenter give i toyed with giving eight fox but i'm gonna go with nine fox because i know very similar to what you were saying chris i know this is not a passion project like this was a job However, yeah. right, the mm. fact that he jumped at the chance that he wanted to do a rom-com like it happened one night and he wanted he was excited to do sci-fi, yeah. he's excited to do romance and it's very clear that I think he put his all into this even though it was a job. 
I'm giving this a nine. Nine fucks. Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will indulge your love of profanity. Yes. Yes. We we earn that explicit rating every episode just with this segment alone. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I, I'm right there with you guys. I think he cared quite a bit about this. Like we said, wanted to show that he could branch out outside the genre that people associate him with. I honestly, I toyed with like a full 10 for a while Ooh, because I was it. like, he really like put in a lot of work, like this is on location and they're like an amazing special effects team they that he was working with. But I, I dropped it just a tiny bit down to a nine and a half. Ooh, love it. Um, I think it, the only thing that holds me back from giving it a full 10 is that he didn't, through the process of making this movie, he wasn't overcome with a feeling of like, you know what? I know exactly the score to make for this. And not that I want to change anything about the score, but the fact that he wasn't compelled to create the the score to go along with this puts it just below a 10 for me. Because I, otherwise, I think he's just really trying something new. And in my opinion, I think in your opinion too, Megan, absolutely succeeding. Oh, yeah. So uh, I'm giving him a 9.5. 9. I love that. <laughs> Okay, so is there anything that we haven't covered that anything what, from the movie, from the production of the movie, from the commentary, any feelings, thoughts, or concerns, anything to uh, to add before we wrap things up here? Oh, my God, there's so many. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to pick, like, one. <laughs> I like that she drove a Shelby it's... Cobra. That was about, <laughs> I, was, I was excited about that. I've always loved that car. That's, that's pretty nice. There you go. Yeah. Oh, Jeff Bridges. I said earlier um, when we started that Jeff Bridges said some really fascinating things about acting. And he talked very openly about rehearsing and how rehearsing is important. And a lot of actors don't like to do rehearsing because they feel like it's too stale. And he said it in the commentary. And he also said it in an interview a few years ago with Karen Allen, The Hollywood Reporter, that they had rehearsed a lot and they had this kind of rapport. And he said that some actors don't like to get to know their actors, like on a personal level, they just want to stay in character mm. and like use character names. And he's like, I'm not like that. I want to get to know people. And he said that Karen Allen was so gregarious and kind and open. And they both had this vulnerability. And he, he said that that was able to help forge their relationship and the fact that they loved playing music together and they performed yeah. music in a music video for the song what? yeah that they sing together and i just i think that that rapport that they had in real life really translates to their rapport yeah. on screen in a really lovely way yeah yeah i love that she just seems like i really like karen i love her <laughs> i think she's so like, underrated i love her yeah i know that he is the the title character but she's the heart and soul of this. It's so. her movie, really. In yeah. many, it, yeah. you're right. I think in yeah. many ways. I mean, yeah. the fact that we see the final shot, her perspective, it's her. I think it's her yeah. arc. As much as it's his arc yeah. and learning about humanity, I think it's her arc, too. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. just dealing with grief, right? Yes. The loss oh, yeah. of her, her husband and potentially finding love again or, or in the end really more just accepting yes mm -hmm. you know and then that is um yeah no that's it's yeah. important and it's, yeah it's very touching beautifully yeah. said chris that's lovely 
Lovely. Okay. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you for being yeah, thank here. You so much. Thank you for discussing this wonderful movie Yay, with us. Thank you for having me. Yes, we're we're so glad to have you here again for this season. And um, everybody should go check out Spoiler Piece Theater. Go listen to Megan. Go read Megan's reviews. Oh, She's film Absolutely. critic. So, like <laughs> Megan's DMs to me. <laughs> <laughs> Like I get a sneak peek of movie reviews and y'all should be jealous because <laughs> it just, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Megan's a, a stellar writer. Aww, just like she is just, just so good. So good. So read Megan's work. Listen to Megan on Spoiler Piece Theater. And where can people follow you on, on Twitter? Megan, what is your, your handle there? Because on... I want you to say it. <laughs> on Twitter, it's opinion as <laughs> yes. world. I love it. I love it. Uh, any anything else to plug before I plug our our show that we're oh, on? Oh gosh, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think so. I'm on Instagram and Letterbox too at the Opinion Act. Yes. Oh I yes, definitely. It. You got to do the Letterbox follows. Like, got to do that. Absolutely. Letterbox. Yeah, I don't think I do. Yes. Oh well, we got to yeah. follow each other. Letterbox is low key my favorite social media. Yeah. It's nothing about to... people. It's just <laughs> movie reviews. I'm a bad, I'm a bad uh, cinephile because I don't put reviews and I need to start. I have to be compelled to write a review. And honestly, I really don't for any of the movies that we're doing for mm-hmm. Screen Run because I save like all my like logging of them for when the episode comes out and I save all my words for the show. But sometimes I have, in my opinion decent reviews that will help somebody know uh if they should watch the movie or not and sometimes i just have like real mean things that i say about a movie so that's fun for me too so (laughs) (laughs) and then again favorite thing about letterbox is if you hate a movie you can go find everybody else who hated it and really dig into what they said and if you love a movie you can do the same thing Mm. so you can just kind of like filter out and just like hang out in your own echo chamber of opinions and it's normally very an unhealthy thing to do but i think it's okay for movies it's just to you know enjoy what you enjoy and hate what you hate it's all fun you can follow megan on letterbox uh you can follow us on letterbox as well i'm on there at the lady one chris what's your handle is it cg scalzo like on twitter i no it's actually it's just it's the first run is the one oh there you go yeah follow the first runs you can See, because you've got so many uh, movies you know that you guys cover over on the first run. Yeah, we just don't do it as much on Letterboxd. It may just be... no. You know what? No, no. I apologize. It's a lie. It's, <gasps> it's, it's Chris Scalzo. Oh, okay. Okay. Chris Scalzo on Letterboxd. CG yes. Scalzo on Twitter. You can find Screen Run anywhere you find podcasts. We would love if you can leave us a rating, leave us a review, and uh, subscribe on whatever channel you're listening on. And we'll be back next time. Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Coming soon. Excited. Bye. Bye. (laughs) The patented screen run ending. I panic.
and I had something else I was going to say, and I totally lost it. I'm all hot. Oh, no. cold medicine still. 